Hello, Probers. Howdy, howdy. Whether it's your first time, last time, or somewhere in between, welcome to another episode of But It Was Aliens, the extraterrestrial comedy podcast hosted today by myself, Moonwalker, and I'm joined as always by my trusty cohort, Mr. Kevin Greybeard. Mr. Today. Yeah. Ooh. I um, feel more respected than usual. I'm feeling nice. <laughs> no grey pube or... Well, I don't know if you've got grey pubes, but... Do pubes go grey? I don't know. Hmm. You tell me. I don't know. Grey. <laughs> I've never had a grey pube. Well, aren't you lucky? <laughs> I can only speak for myself. Well, have you heard of beams before? (laughs) (laughs) I have, because you've mentioned it before. Good. I'm glad you remember. What episode was that? I can remember the husband of a lady who'd had several abductions, was it? That's the one? Yeah. Can't tell you what episode number it is, to be fair. It has been mentioned before. And you said you were going to go and probe it fully at some point. That I did. Well, we're not going to take any particular case today, but we're going to investigate an organisation organization itself. Can I have a guess about what the organisation's <laughs> name is? Go on. Is it Beams? Ding, ding, ding! We have a winner. <laughs> we're going to be looking at Beams, the British Earth and Aerial Mystery Society, and two cases in Farnborough they believe are real factual accounts. So, Beams is Britain's oldest free investigative reporting centre. Is it? Apparently so, according to Beams. Hmm, I, I might query that. I believe, uh, although I'm not sure if it was UK only or if it was worldwide, but there was an organisation prior to that. But Did you I, have to pay? I, they published a magazine, so... Did you have to pay for the magazine? Possibly. Then Beams is free. <laughs> so they are... Britain's... Britain's oldest... oldest and also only... <laughs> free investigative reporting centre. They were founded in 1991. It consists of active reporters and field investigators. These guys investigate everything. Ley lines, terrestrial energies and ancient site anomalies. Strange aerial occurrences, UFOs and the paranormal. What about dinosaurs? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they investigate those too. Damn it, I was really hoping you were going to say no. I had a follow-up coming. <laughs> we just shout all over that. Good. So the founders are Kenneth John Parsons. Kenneth John. He sounds like a trustworthy man. Like all Johns. Indeed. And Emily Crew. Kenneth has been an active ufologist since the early 80s and was also an experiencer. He's been involved with paranormal investigations and has been a colleague of Maurice Grouse, 
who is widely known for his involvement in the Enfield haunting. Ooh, I I know about that one as well. I've seen the, um, I think it's a six-episode series that ran. I don't know if I've seen that. I've seen some movies based upon it, but I've also looked at it because um, this year, before we covered Wizards for Your Birthday, I was toying with covering that. Oh. But then... I changed my mind and thought I'd give you a nicer case for your birthday. <laughs> and that's not what we're covering next year either before you think it. Good. <laughs> so if you'd like to scroll down, I have a picture of Kenneth there for you. When you say Kenneth, do you want to go, Kenneth? I do. Why is that? But I'm refraining from doing it. Okay, let's check this. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. He's a difficult chap to describe. He's just got me with the circle game, though. <laughs> you know that game from oh, yes. in the middle? <laughs> they make the circles below the belt. I hadn't even <laughs> noticed until you said it, and then I looked, so I better yeah, drink. He can. I was going to say, he can punch me in the arm, but he's a little bit far away, I'm guessing. God, how would you describe this gentleman? Age-wise, I'd estimate 40s? Late 40s? He's. I'd say 50s. Yeah, possibly 50s. It's hard. Around that sort of age, grey, short beard, <laughs> Kenneth Greybeard. Grey. So it's another John with a grey beard, eh? Um, it's kind of shorter hair, but not baldy. <laughs> not that short, but short. Grey eyebrows. <laughs> grey. He's wearing a blue shirt. Advertising Nevada State. Outdoor pursuits. Devil's Peak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you have a picture of Kenneth there. F you, Kenneth, forget me with the circle game. Emily herself is a veteran ufologist. When they started Beams, it was a voluntary studies and investigation group based in Kempston, Bedfordshire. Did they have an office? I don't know, actually. Emily, who is described as a forward-thinking lady, believed that Beams should attempt to share as much information as possible, not only regionally, but nationally. And later, in 1991, Beams started to expand their operations. They did this by recruiting more investigators throughout the country and promoting themselves in magazines before creating their website. We don't have too much to get into yet, but has anything piqued your interest so far? How did they recruit investigators exactly? Considering the times, it wouldn't surprise me if they put ads in papers or knew people in those circles and recruited that way. Mm, it's kind of early on in the story to start speculating, I guess. But if you're recruiting in magazines for what I guess what you'd call paranormal investigators, you're going to get some interesting characters probably putting themselves forward, aren't you? That you are. Honourable, trustworthy characters. Well, they may... I'm assuming there was UFO magazines and yep. paranormal magazines and stuff like that about the time. They may have reached out to the people that had written articles or published anything in those magazines. 
imagine having all that spare time to volunteer to be a paranormal investigator. I'm guessing you're not really getting paid for this than to go out and investigate every single random UFO case. Imagine having that time. I'd love to have that time. I wouldn't do it, but I'd love to have that time. Would never do that and start a podcast doing that. (laughs) For all that free time. So a few years later... And Ken was introduced to a lady who he would later marry. When Emily would retire in 2000, the task of running Beams fell to Ken and his partner, Hillary. And I'll just put a little picture in of Hillary in case you forgot what she was like. <laughs> yeah, she looks like Carol Baskin still. I believe that's what we thought at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting pose there. What is she trying to do? I don't know if she's casting a spell, <laughs> trying to summon something, stop something. She's, Who knows? She appears to be wearing a cardigan made of my nan's curtains. <laughs> and a pink vest. That pose, yeah, it looks... Again, it looks like she should belong in your birthday episode. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like part of that community. Maybe she was. She's trying to feel the paranormal ley lines, perhaps. So let's take a look at some of the cases they've covered. Let's believe our UFO experiences. I like how you so. you're already saying that they believe. <laughs> <laughs> you're preconditioning me here. They believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> let's take a look at some of the cases. <laughs> Shall we? Let's. These are much more than just some bizarre conspiracy theory as the Masonic-controlled media have dubbed their discoveries. This isn't a conspiracy theory at all, but a set of connected conspiracy facts. That quote is straight from Kenneth's mouth. <laughs> Kenneth! Oh, this... this I was I really hoping this is starting to get juicy <laughs> and bonkers. So, a witness statement from a sighting... Hold on, hold on. Can I just, before before I lose track of my mind, Mm -hmm. is this going to be like some war between Beams and the Freemasons? Not yet. (laughs) It interests me that you stated Masonic-controlled media. (laughs) Not yet. Okay. Did I get a clue? I've got such a clue right now. Might have been in the statement from earlier that there was a clue. And now you have a clue. A witness statement from a sighting in Fleet near Farnborough. The date, 1992 to 1994. Crikey, that's a long sighting. It's a very long sighting. Two years! My gosh! There better be photos of that length of time. So, the witness statement. I've lived in Farnborough since 1971. I've witnessed a few strange things at night, humming noises and lights, but this one event stands out and it's always bothered me. It's a great mystery. It happened between 1992 and 1994. It was a sunny day with clear blue skies, so I guess it was somewhere between spring and autumn. (laughs) (laughs) This person does not know what they're talking about. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was my lunch hour between 12 and half 12. <laughs> That's not an hour, my friend. <laughs> I, was, I was driving towards the multi-story in Fleet to do some shopping. The oh. car park was up the road on my left and the road was pointed towards Farnborough, which was about two miles away. The first thing I noticed were the cars in front of me, slowing and stopping. Some people even getting out of their cars and pointing excitedly and anxiously up the road towards the horizon. I looked. I saw a large, dark disc shape, possibly very large. It was hard to tell the distance. It was moving very, very slowly and silently from left to right with its nose pointed up at about 45 degrees. This was a very strange altitude for an aircraft, and this looked nothing like any aircraft I'd ever seen. Was it an airship or a... I'll put that down, but I really cannot pronounce it. A dirigible, which is pretty much what they used to call a blimp. Yeah. I looked this up. I'm going to say blimp from now on. <laughs> Please don't. I'd like you to keep saying that word. So I looked this up. A dirigible <laughs> is a lighter than aircraft that is both powered and steerable. So basically a blimp. Yeah. Okay. So it was hard for this chap to tell the distance. I'm not surprised because he can hardly tell the time. I was on my 30 minute hour lunch break. So, a likely explanation given Farnborough's history. But no. I've seen enough of them in my time. This thing looked nothing like an airship. It seemed solid metallic, even. Had no signs of outboard motors powering it. And was a perfect saucer shape. It was a perfect saucer shape! Do you know how the term flying saucer came to be? Yeah, we, we, we covered, covered it, it, didn't we? Yeah, so it wasn't actually saucer-shaped. Yep. thing, yeah. It wasn't actually saucer-shaped. He suggested it bobbled under top of the water like a saucer, mm -hmm. and people took it from there. <laughs> so with all these people seeing saucers. <laughs> I'm convinced it was no airship. I saw dozens of people staring in utter disbelief. Mouths open wide, some looked scared, others excited and jumping up and down. One man walking along the pavement stopped suddenly with a startle and dropped both his shopping bags. It was almost like something out of a movie. I only had 40 minutes left of my 20-minute break. <laughs> I didn't just get a fleeting glimpse of this UFO. I watched it for about one minute. Uh, <laughs> we can't be <laughs> trusting that. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly shorter. <laughs> Possibly an hour. But certainly at least 30 seconds. <sighs> Along with everyone else, I'd stopped in traffic to observe. Mouth open wide in disbelief. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. As if this wasn't enough, with a sudden roar, two black military helicopters Ooh. roared in straight up the road from behind me, heading directly for it, as if on a course to intercept. Then it seemed I'd lost sight of it over the horizon and I had to see what would happen 
when the helicopters reached it. So I quickly drove up the car park circular ramp, made my way to the top open air floor, which was only one story up, so I'd get a good look at it. So I lost sight of it for all of about a minute. I flew out of my car, rushed up to the side of the car park for a good view. I was excited, but also anxious and kind of a little scared, but I saw nothing. The UFO had disappeared and there was no sign of the helicopters. From where I was, I should have got a perfect view, but there was absolutely nothing to be seen. Everything felt very weird and wrong. The cars that had stopped and all the excited people had already moved on. It was as if it never happened. It's plagued me for years. Did I dream it? No. Possibly. I told a UFO enthusiast at work about it the moment I got back from lunch, and it's something they regularly brought up in conversation for several years. Whatever I saw that lunchtime in my car, I wasn't asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Again, questionable. All the people that I witnessed looking at it, and nothing appeared in the local press. Things to take away. I'm a professional engineer and a totally normal, rational person. I got a good look at this, not just as a fleeting glimpse. My eyes were not playing tricks. Lots of other people saw it and were similarly gobsmacked by what they were seeing. I've always lived in Farnborough. I've seen many strange aircraft. I'm an experienced observer. What I saw was not normal or easily explained. And the helicopters? Black, maybe unmarked, military helicopters racing towards it at full speed. So this guy is clearly credible. Well, clearly, 100%. He's an engineer. That he is. What does he engineer? I really need to know so I can not buy it. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know what to say about him. Interesting that he says all these people saw it, yet there's nothing in the media or whatnot. Nope. He's the only person who's come forward about this event witnessed by many. Yep. <laughs> Unusual. And it happened between 92 and 94. <laughs> quite, a, quite a long one, yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope they get better from here. <laughs> we started off with a cracker. I don't suppose there... Did you see a video of him or anything? No. Damn it. Was he a member of Beams? Nope. Or not that I'm aware of. This is just one of the stories they'd gathered. Do you reckon they wrote the stories themselves to begin with? No. <laughs> Possibly. Is this man Beams? He is not Kenneth or Hillary. He's Killery. You ready to continue? I'm ready to continue. So those military helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> what about them? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Next up, we have the strange case of Alfred Bertu. Bertu? Two Berts. He had an older brother <laughs> called Alfred Bert. It was a warm summer's night when Alfred decided he'd go to his favourite spot 
to do some fishing in the early hours. Uh-oh. This spot was along the Basingstoke Canal near Northtown, Aldershot. Between 1992 and 1994. <laughs> and I've just included a picture of Alfred there for you. Crikey. It's a black and white photo. He's by a river or canal at the very least. The Basingstoke Canal near Northtown, well, Aldershot. I didn't want to assume that's where oh, the photo was taken. Yeah, it was. Um, dark... I don't want to assume it's black because it's a black and white photo. It's a dark coat, dark hat. He looks quite elderly and unwell, to be fair. Uh, Poltergeist, Poltergeist 2. You know, the preacher man who started the cult and knocks on the door. Cain, was it? Was it Cain? I wouldn't remember the names. Uh, It might not have been, actually. It might have been Reverend something or other. But regardless, he looks like him. <laughs> Reverend <with>, Alfred Burton. <laughs> he looks like him with longer hair. Very similar face. And actually, the gentleman who played that character in Poltergeist 2 had cancer, didn't he? And passed away, unfortunately. Oh. I'm guessing that, yeah, this gentleman is not around today, is he? We'll get to that. <laughs> he was taken. So he encountered an MOD policeman. That's Ministry of Defence. For those of you outside of the UK. Yeah. Who was on patrol. They briefly chatted before Alfred continued on his way. He had with him his dog. Tiny. <laughs> that better have been a big dog. But I don't like that name. So let's rename him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Alfred had continued on his way with his dog, Ricardo. Oh, I knew that was coming. Absolutely knew it. <laughs> He recalls hearing the gong striking 1am at the barracks. And then the undertaker got up. (laughs) About 20 minutes later, a vivid light came over Northtown. This light fell over Aldershot to London Main Railway Line. It then went black for a few seconds before coming back and seemed to land on the embankment on the other side of the Gasworks Bridge. It was accompanied by a strange whining noise, which Alfred describes as being like an electric generator. Mm. This main light disappeared, but he could still make out some kind of light through the trees. Still unsure of what it was, he sparks up a fag and keeps watch before Ricardo starts going apeshit, growling and barking towards the light. I feel I should interject and just let people know that fag in England is a cigarette. That's a good point, actually. People might think we're being very inappropriate. Yeah. When actually that just means cigarette here. Yeah, in England that's just a cigarette. So, he told Ricardo. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing that little guitar tune in my ears. Good. (laughs) To shut up, and he did. Alfred could just make out two figures heading towards him, each one being about four foot tall. Say what? I did not not think it was going that way. I thought he was just going to see a light, then there was going to be black helicopters chasing it off, and that would be it. Oh, seeing figures Mm -hmm. is not a good thing. That usually doesn't end up very well for the people we tend to speak about on this show. Doesn't, does it? And 
fisherman. Was it Pascagoula? That it was. Calvin. And I want to say Hicks, but I'm 100%. I think you're Parker Jr. Calvin Parker and. You <laughs> should really know this. We cover so many. <laughs> I'm terrible with names anyway. I'm terrible with faces. Yeah, this. I don't like this giant. This giant? <laughs> I don't like what? this. <laughs> Tiny the giant. I don't like this chap's chances. <laughs> He doesn't look well to begin with. He's by himself out fishing and two figures are coming towards him. They could be like teenage hooligans coming towards they could him. But he, remember, he has his dog. His dog that shuts up when he tells it to. Oh, he's told it to. Yeah. Still might protect him. Nah. They'll be like, shut up, dog. And then they'll hear. The dog puts his sunglasses on. <laughs> Puts his cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> Bitch. I'm Ricardo. <laughs> I'm out. They all just stopped and looked e- at each other before one of the small beings described as humanoid with light green overalls on and a helmet with a visor so he couldn't make out their faces. Beckoned to him with his right arm and then turned. He beckoned to him by making the wanker sign (laughs) (laughs) with his right arm. You little wanker. And we have an artist's rendition of that situation. We have what looks like a watercolour painting of the elderly gentleman. That's quite a good rendition of him, I've got to say. That's pretty much what he looked like in the photo. Very dark clothing and elderly face. The canal. There's a bloody ufo in the background it looks like a mixture between a triangular craft and a saucer shape and yeah we have two watercolor figures in bluey greeny latex suits (laughs) with helmets like the stick from top gear which is almost similar to a stormtrooper you can thank hillary for the art whoa 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 what is that thing between the lighter of the two figures' legs? I just thought that might have been where the watercolours ran. He's got a giant bush, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary has painted an alien with a bush. They are proper pubes. Her artwork has gotten better since the last time we saw it, I believe. Maybe she should stick to watercolours in the future. Well, Alfred followed. He, he wanted that bush. As they reached the railings, the one in front of him simply walked through Ooh. like a ghost. That's interesting. It is. <laughs> it is. I, I can't remember if we've had this debate before or not, but I've certainly thought it in my head around aliens potentially being creatures from different dimensions to us. Yeah, we've had that. So, yeah, they can potentially move through our dimension, but don't interact with it so strongly and that could also tie into theories of dark energy and whatnot but i'm going way above the station here john fum also claimed that mibs walked through his fence you really you really want to link john fum to this (laughs) well no (laughs) so alfred had to climb over they took him to their craft which was about 40 to 45 why was he going with them 
Maybe he was intrigued. No! Oh, he wanted the bush, didn't he? That's the only explanation. He walked up the steps to the craft and once inside, describes it was being describes it as being smooth. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he didn't. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> that was anything but smooth. <laughs> we know. He couldn't see any sharp corners. Uh-huh. They took him to an octagonal room. Why did that sound weird in my head when I said it? I don't know why. It sounded weird in my head. Let's just trip me out. So one walked across the room while the other stood in front of the door blocking it. Alfred didn't know if that was to stop him leaving or not. For ten minutes, he stood there taking everything in. His ass. <laughs> he. Why would they stop him from leaving when he went in so willingly? I find that unlikely. It's not really been explained to me why he is so willing. Kind of depends on what they have in store. He was wanting it, whatever they had in store, because he's so happy to go along with them without even a proper discussion. A voice then spoke out to him. (laughs) There's the discussion. (laughs) And told him to... Come and stand under the amber light. And spread those cheeks! He couldn't see the light until he took a step to his right. Once he saw it, he stood under it. He stood there for about five minutes before being asked his age. He replied, 78. The voice then told him to turn around and bend over before being told he could leave as he was too old for their purpose. Ooh. Mm. And there's another picture of the beings taking Alfred to the ship. He looks less willing there. He I looks like admit. he's... Yeah. Or they're just holding hands. And also, you can see the fence at the bottom of this picture. And it has a gate that's open. That's how they walked through the fence, ladies and gentlemen. And people that don't identify as those labels. He, there ain't no walking through a fence there. No. They've opened the gate. You utter bullshitter. They walked through the fence. It was open. And he climbed over it. (laughs) (laughs) You idiot. So he leaves, returns to his fishing spot, and witnesses the craft leave. Once it left, he continues fishing. In the morning, he chats with two MOD police officers on horseback and tells them what he saw. But they didn't believe him. Had he been heavily drinking... I think he made a cup of tea and that was about it. Did he put something in the cup of tea? He was out there fishing by himself. It gets cold. We don't know, do we? We don't. (laughs) (laughs) We can't rule it out. Weirdly, I don't know if it's just because we've covered these sorts of stories so many times at this point, but that sounded weirdly familiar to me. They left him because he was too old. Mm -hmm. What were they planning to do? Probe him, but they were worried that once they'd broken through the hole... (laughs) <laughs> would break loose. Maybe they were his semen. Oh, But deemed him too old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, maybe his gear wasn't in working order anymore. Can happen with age, can't it? Can do. Not that I know from experience. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't... He, if this had happened, he's so willing, that bothers me. It doesn't sound believable to me for that point. He went with them so happily, left and then just stayed there. Surely you'd be like bricking it, mm. regardless of how brave you are. If this actually happened, 
you'd be at least a little bit nervous and you'd want to sort of get away. Wouldn't you go home or go to the police or call the Ghostbusters? I don't know. <laughs> so what do you think happened here? I think he was out. I reckon he's like the local peculiar man. Everyone knows him. He's always making these strange claims and whatnot. The police went to check on him a few times just to make sure he's okay. He's out there fishing for his dinner, has a sip from his hip glass of whiskey, hip flask rather, has a few too many, starts telling a story. Maybe even he starts imagining things. Maybe he fell asleep. All possible. Hmm. Well, we have what Hillary thinks. She learned that on the other side of the canal are some mechanical engineers' workshops. She thinks surely they must have seen or heard something. Let me also remind you that this was between one and two in the morning. I was just thinking this was overnight, wasn't it? I couldn't quite remember what time you'd said, but he was fishing by himself at night and we thought, well, I thought, <laughs> uh-oh, that doesn't usually end well. So unless it was a 24-hour factory, I guess. What were they making at the workshop? I don't know. Hmm... Despite the lack of hard data, bearing in mind this is what Hillary thinks, mm -hmm. despite the lack of hard data, I think that this is one of the most convincing <laughs> and important reports of a UFO encounter no, of the third and fourth kind. You do not, Hillary. Not to be dismissed lightly. One of the key points which leads me to such a conclusion is, is that, that I'm as shit. Is that this witness was generally considered by all those that knew him to be a genuine, honest and responsible person who had fought in two world wars. So why on earth would oh, no. anyone like this make up such a story? I would also like to point out he was... that he would have been nine at the start of World War One. Jesus! <laughs> what was he doing fighting in the war? Oh, Hillary. I was going to say, didn't you say he was 78? I was just about to start trying to work out the math in my head. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Alfred didn't seek any publicity. He didn't need to. But he was a child warrior. <laughs> but one or two publications did get hold of the story. With a little bit of investigation, Hillary found out Alfred hadn't suffered any of the effects that are often reported by those that have close encounters such as nausea, loss of time, temporary paralysis, unknown bruising, diarrhoea. Metallic objects in the butt. According to his wife and friend, his manner was different and he wasn't eating much, resulting in weight loss for a time. That could be because he was an older person, because again, that's something that can be associ associated with old age, and especially if he became unwell as he looked and... Yeah, I don't want to make light of that, but he didn't look like a well man. What happened to the dog? I think the dog was just... I think he, when he started fishing, he tied the dog to, like, a fence post or something and just left it as he went off, I would assume. I told you that was a pussy dog. It didn't mind him being taken <laughs> away by these people. It was just hard just, to sit <laughs> Just like, Watch I'm going to finish off your magic cigarette. <laughs> Now, Hillary has investigated the actual site of the abduction herself. Not only once has she gone there, but several times. And according to her, the area has become increasingly restricted more and more, which she says could be expected to a degree 
as it's been given military status. She adds, though, that some of these aren't ordinary soldiers, but SAS fully dressed in black and fully armed. How does she know that? She can't get in there. Well, she could get in there. It's just more and more... Restricted, but they're letting this lady just walk through, are they? Well, maybe when she used to work with the MOD, she's got a bit of... (laughs) Got a bit of sway. She can get into certain areas. Hmm. In in December 2006, she randomly took lots of digital photos at the alleged landing site. And in one of these pictures, she found something very odd. She explains that a weird object was found in one frame of a sequence, but wasn't found in any of the pictures before or after it. According to Hillary... It's as if something is manifesting or shape-shifting. She thinks it's possible that it exists on an interpenetrating dimensional level and that it is, it's possible it's only detectable to the eye of a camera or other equipment under certain circumstances as it wasn't visible to the naked eye. How dare you start thinking logically, Hillary? So if you would like to click that link... It's a photo of the canal and like a wooded area. And then what appears to be a peculiar metallic object, is it? Apparently so. Because I can't zoom in on it. I can't really fully tell what it is. It's manifesting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to click on the second one to see if I can get a better look at it. Okay. Okay, now it's zoomed in on this mysterious ectoplasmic object that looks like foil. It looks like a lump of foil on the floor. I think what you'll find is this is a spaceship starting to manifest from the ground up. (laughs) What? What part of the spaceship am I looking at there? Fucking no. It's just a blob. That makes no sense. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) And those are the two pictures. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so that evidence was bullshit quite frankly that was not good evidence hillary you'd think why don't these people like really try to find good stuff to put their reputation on why is it always such utter trollop but this is good stuff (laughs) is it now (laughs) So this chap who fought in both world wars and was nine years old during the first world war. <laughs> yep. That's good stuff, is it? Hmm. Uh, I found the original account of this article with Timothy Good, which has this to say about Alfred. Oh dear. <laughs> Alfred served in the Queen's Royal Regiment in 1924 and the Hampshire Regiment during World War Two. He lived in the Canadian outback and had hunted bears and fought wolves. <laughs> hunted bears? And fought wolves. With his bare hands? Or? He was afraid of nothing. When questioned if he was scared during his encounter, he said no. What did I have to fear? I'm 78 and haven't got much to lose. Your dog. Prior to his experience, he had read no books or magazines on the subject of UFOs. We can't verify that. Which held no interest for him. Yet much of what he claimed has been corroborated by other witnesses. 
witnesses. That is key. You, we have witnesses, Greybeard. You better have several witnesses and fully detail them. I want their names, date of birth, NHS number, national insurance number, bank account number. So those witnesses are someone in the guard hut. Someone. <laughs> someone. Who must have seen something. Those in the electrical and mechanical workshops. Those. Who must have seen or heard something. Investigator Omar Fowler found nothing. Oh, we get a name of someone who doesn't witness anything. <laughs> but we do have the two mounted police who spoke to him afterwards. These two haven't been located. <laughs> They've been taken. Now, now we've been let down by these witnesses. But what about the occupants of a bungalow near the canal? Ooh, ooh. Well, they were away at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so many witnesses. So many. Oh, reliable. My gosh. Oh, dear. Dear, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> what year was it again? 1980s. Hunting bears. Bonkers. Just bonkers. I don't really have anything to say about this. <laughs> Although not seeking any publicity, news made it to the papers thanks to Alfred himself, who wrote into the paper two months after the encounter inquiring if anyone had noticed the lights that night. To support his own story. <laughs> the paper notified Omar Fowler of Surrey Investigation Group on aerial phenomena. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Surrey Investigation Group on aerial phenomena. Sigap. Were they around before beams? <laughs> they may have been, <laughs> but they might not have been free. free. <laughs> so Omar Fowler interviewed him. A month later he was interviewed by Timothy Good in the presence of local reporter Debbie Collins. Their positive findings were published and attracted the attention of the National Enquirer which ran the story in 1984. Their positive findings were that they were positive this was bullshit. Alfred describes that the beings spoke in a sing-song accent similar to Chinese or Russian and he believed at first that they were from Earth due to the fact that he says scientists have told us that this is the only planet with water. So how could they survive? I'm so confused by that sentence. Firstly, what on Earth is a sing-song accent? Is that offensive? I don't even know. I have no idea. How could they survive if they're not I apologise if that is offensive. Well, obviously but... you've not said it. You're just quoting what yeah. Alfred has said, so... I'd nev- I've never heard of that. I don't... Yeah, that's what I mean. I've, I've never come across that. I don't know what that means. When asked why he didn't ask any questions, Alfred explains that he didn't want to offend them. He also describes being mildly disappointed when he was rejected. He thinks this is because he had bronchial and arterial problems uh, okay. and believes that when he was scanned, the plastic replacements he had were picked up. Alfred passed away on the 31st of August 1986. His wife has said that when he came home, he explained what what had happened and he looked like he'd just seen a miracle. 
She goes on to say that her husband was not a man who believed in fantasies or had hallucinations. Until now. He was described as down to earth and that he never wavered from his version of events that night. The MOD says they have no record or reports of anything happening that night from the public or from the MOD police. They also say they didn't devote any public funds to the detailed investigation of these kinds of sightings when there is no threat to national defence at all. Okay, so if the MOD are saying that nothing happened, I'm in. (laughs) Uh, Trust the MOD. We know they're covering stuff up. We've seen evidence. Not in this case, but... (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it peculiar how you can literally tell that someone is unwell by looking at them? He just didn't look like a well man in the photos. Sounds really odd, but he just looks like a fisherman to me in the photos. Like that typical... Fisherman's jacket spent most of their life fishing or out at sea. It just mm. looks like that to me. Okay. Maybe I'm jumping the gun. Or maybe it's because I've worked in fields with lots of unwell people. Yeah. And can recognise it. Which is also a worrying trait, I guess. I wonder if doctors and nurses have that. Wouldn't know. I was going to make one point. I think I trailed off and back onto something else. But, um... About not being able to survive. So he thinks they were from Earth. Oh, yeah, because because scientists have said that Earth is the only planet with water. So he thinks, how could life survive without it? But they could have come here because of that. They could have had water on their home planet, travelled... I mean, I don't want to support this story, but (laughs) they could have had water, travelled to other water-bearing planets and survived with water. That makes no sense. This man is a walking contradiction. But that may be because he's suffered lots of ill health on account of his um, nine-year-old war battle. He was like a Spartan. Hillary says that every year the local papers write an abbreviated story about the encounter, which trivialise it and make Alfred out to be a laughingstock. She believes this is done to make it clear to people that aliens don't exist and to put off anyone that wants to come forward claiming to have seen one. Mm. You would say that, though, wouldn't you, Hillary? I think there needs to be some sort of meeting in the middle there. You can't just say that people are laughing about it as evidence that it's real. You need to look deeper as to why they're saying that, because there's been other sightings that haven't necessarily become laughing stocks. There's a certain type of sighting that leads to that kind of... Today, at least. Yeah, totally agree. So to summarise, we have Beams, which was formed by an investigator and an experiencer, and is now run by two experiencers, one of which being Hillary Porter. We hear about one story in Farnborough which Beams believes is fact. We then hear the story of Alfred Bertu, a fisherman who has an encounter in 1984. He was taken aboard a ship and examined with an amber light before being told he was too old and could leave. We have Hillary's photos of the site, taken in 2006, which shows something that wasn't visible to the naked eye. We then hear a little bit more about Alfred's encounter from an original source before we hear from Hillary about how the story is treated by the local media. As this is slightly different to a normal probe, 
I'd like your verdict on Alfred Burr 2 and then on the Farnborough story and then if we can trust Beams on these cases. So, is that really necessary? <laughs> <laughs> or if your if your verdict is the same <laughs> for all three, we can do it all at once. Okay, I'm going to do the two at once and then do Beams after. Okay. So for Alfred and the other one, I call bullshit. He called bullshit. (laughs) Complete bullshit, yeah. No credibility there for me whatsoever. In terms of beams, I feel like they're going in already deciding that things are going to be real and trying to prove that they're real rather than going in open-minded and looking where the evidence points from the two cases covered here, I fully agree with you. Fully. And I think, yeah, that's a dangerous way to be. I think you need to go in open-minded as to whether things could go either way rather than trying to prove one way or the other. Yep. Science! Um, Covering the first story, the moment it said it happened between 1992 and 94, I was like, bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> if you can't tell me what year this magnificent event happened, I'm calling bullshit. So, called bullshit. On your 30-minute hour lunch break. Yep. <laughs> so no, I'm not saying that it was aliens. There's no nothing else coming. What are uh. you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> but it was bullshit. No, I'm not saying it was aliens either. Um, both stories, for me, are not aliens at all. And so far... Beams cannot be trusted. But there are many more stories and events on Beams. So I will be covering Ooh. more. Oh, really? At a later date. Son, there is so much there. I'd imagine there probably would be because they've investigated a lot, I guess, haven't they? Yep. That's what they do. So we will cover Beams again at a later point. I hope they get juicier still. <laughs> So thank you for taking the time to join us on today's probe. We are But It Was Aliens, and you can find us on Instagram at But It Was Aliens Podcast. You can find us on the Twitter at But It Was Aliens, and you can find us on Facebook at But It Was Aliens, and our Facebook group is Extraterrestrial Towers. I've been Moonwalker, and as always, he's been Greybeard. Remember, the truth is up there.